Thank you for joining us on another episode of DLT in the Real World, the hype-free podcast designed to put facts and figures against real-life cases of DLT deployments. So in 2019, the French real estate fund Matter Capital raised more than 350 million euros through distributing tokenized shares in a Parisian hotel construction project. And it was one of the largest issuances of tokenized real estate assets so far. Now, given that real estate has been singled out as one of the main asset classes that's most ready for DLT disruption and the benefits of DLT, this real life example is a really is a fantastic showcase of really what DLT can happen can deliver in practice. So I'm delighted to have Mathieu Bouchot here from Consensus to talk us through the details of this real poster child case. So Mathieu, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So look, let's jump straight in. The Matter Capital case. What was the problem that you were trying to solve as, as you came into this? Yes, so Mata Capital is, uh, maybe to give a quick overview, is, is a private equity firm based in France. They manage over 1 billion of assets. They distribute these assets only to accredited investors or the, the equivalent in France, which is like professional investors. And what they wanted to solve is the terrible user experience they were providing to their investors when they were distributing their shares. And by terrible user experience, I mean, they want to to be at the forefront of innovation. They want to provide a fully digital experience and they had to ask their investors to sign paper-based documents. They were implementing DocuSign at the moment to try to streamline a little bit that. Registries were maintained on paper and so they decided to digitize this experience. And prior to using DLT, they started internally uh, thinking of the full end-to-end distribution lifecycle that they could do digitally. And back in 2017 in France, a new law uh, was signed that allowed that types of firms to maintain their investor registry directly on DLT, directly on the blockchain, without the need to reconcile with an existing registry, paper-based or you know an Excel spreadsheet. And so they decided to leverage that new law immediately to be the first to provide a platform for their investors to purchase and maintain the, the, their investor registries. That's fascinating. And, and presumably, that, I mean, that law change is, I mean, it's one of the biggest obstacles elsewhere in the world, but it must have been a fantastic enabler to yes. not have to go back into the physical world all the time. And presumably, though, in terms of the, the paper-based processes that you mentioned, I mean, you've got the subscription process, which, as you said, is, is kind of uh, the user experience is kind of clunky at best. But then also, I guess on an ongoing basis, you also have the entire registry management and, and the, the entire the processes that support that. There must have been a huge benefit for this. Exactly. Everything around corporate actions when the, when the fund is live is painful, can be painful, can be automated. Is um, Everything around governance of the fund can be also streamlined. And yeah, the idea was really to, to make all these corporate actions available on a single platform that would be white label under the name of Meta Capital. Yeah. Absolutely. And so to your point about what this actually looked like then, so it's really interesting that Matter Capital were looking at kind of digitizing with a small d in terms of DocuSign and trying their best. Yeah. And then you had the DLT kind of, uh, you know, the, the, the other solution. What did the solution look like in the end when you did deploy it? So basically, I think it's a, we can summarize it as a platform that is divided in three main blocks or features. The first mm-hmm. one is around investor onboarding. Mm-hmm. So everything around collecting investor documents to perform KYC and AML, uh, you know, due diligence. 
So here they have a questionnaire that they can configure uh, depending on what are the type of investor that should be verified. You know, the different types of questions will, will appear. Uh, they receive all these documents, can be an identity card, can be dates or addresses, etc. When we can check this information against publicly accessible databases, we do it, uh, integrating with third-party identity verification providers, uh, like Onfido, for example, to verify uh, identity cards. And the issuer, so Meta Capital, will collect all these documents and verify them one by one. And if the sum of all these documents is uh, green, approved, then the investor will have access to the platform. And as soon as they have access to the platform, we move to the second main feature of the platform, which is around purchasing assets. So here it's a feature that both the issuer and the investor will interact with. The issuer will first create a representation of their fund on the blockchain using a form that they fill on the platform that triggers the deployment of a smart contract on the blockchain on which all the shares will be minted when investors are purchasing. So this is the asset creation and management feature. And then the third one is around order management or you know, even corporate actions. It's where we collect subscription orders from investors, we centralize them, and according to you know if an order has been paid or not, we will mint tokens corresponding to the uh, to each investment to, to all our investors' addresses. Addresses, I mean Ethereum addresses that we generate for them when they are onboarded. So that's kind of the UX of uh, of the product. Yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously, one of the big questions then coming, you know, DocuSign versus DLT, which is not a comparison I've seen before. But uh, I mean, what was the, the un- why DLT then? I mean, why DLT? Yeah. So internally at Meta Capital, there was someone who was mining Bitcoin very early in 2013 or 2014. And so he was responsible of innovation there and he wanted to experiment with blockchain first because he understood that having a single registry where all the assets could be could be stored and maintained is game changer and will become something important. So they, first, I think they wanted to experiment with, with this new technology and they had the budget to do it. And then we wanted to really, as the technical provider, solve many issues and we wanted to bring a lot of innovation in the ta- on the table. But I think for them, just the fact that being able to digitize the registry and store it on a more secure ledger than what Excel is providing is already a very interesting game changer because it, it brings a lot of trust to their investors. It allow, allows them to save a few bits on back-office processes and it prepares them for the revolution that will that will happen that is happening today by by making sure they have experimented early on uh, with this uh, with this platform so in terms of cost saving very precisely when we discuss with them we only talk about a few bips at the moment but they are building additional features around the, the platform to even more streamline the management of their funds mm. to possibly bring these uh, these uh, savings to a higher higher levels and that's so interesting because one of the consistent themes about the conversations we have in this podcast is basically is starting with a, exactly as you said, a very practical, quite humble starting point that it's not transformational, it's not changing the world, but ultimately it delivers basis points. But that phase two then is basically is almost a voyage of discovery where people expand, the scope expands, the ecosystem expands, and obviously and it grows out. 12 months or, or more than 12 months into this deployment now, what does that journey look like for you in terms of, I suppose, the, the second phase beyond just, as you said, the, the initial few basis points at the beginning? 
So initially, the platform was only used for registry maintenance. So we were uh, replicating the fund register on the blockchain, attributing addresses to investors, you know, that they, that they didn't manage themselves. And now over the last 12 months, we've seen a lot of, a lot of new pain points to adopt the blockchain technology being removed. One is, for example, the talk around CBDCs and stablecoins. We have more and more today more clarity on how we can use these stablecoins to to perform delivery versus payment mm -hmm. of securities. It is starting to be approved in some jurisdiction. And so for us, it's just on the technical side to add a feature that allows them to manage stablecoins on the platform. And so this is something we are working on at the moment. And then also they've understood that there was an ecosystem uh, play and they are building a new venture that is separated from Meta Capital to create an asset management distribution platform that will be built on the blockchain. And so I think they've understood that it's very interesting for them to streamline their distribution by, by making it digital, mm -hmm. but that all this innovation can also serve the ecosystem at large while not centralizing it too much, like what we've seen with maybe Web2 platforms that aggregate and take control on an industry because there are ways to build it so that it, it retains certain levels of decentralization that make it a public uh, good or really an infrastructure for the for the ecosystem rather than platform play where one wins over all the others. So that's what we are working on at the moment with them. Which is fascinating. So we're really kind of, so starting point, as you said, is a bad user experience and probably I'm assuming T plus weeks in terms of transaction time exactly. down to, uh, as you said, with the Banque de France and the other, and the other major players on the CBDCs getting to a real estate subscription on a DVP basis on T plus zero, I assume. Which That's is, the, the goal you know, for the balance sheet tied up alone from the from the subscription subscribers i mean that that alone presumably would have an enormous cost benefit that you know not necessarily matter capitals but ultimately that the industry would would alleviate in addition to all of the other workflow benefits that you mentioned yes exactly and we've seen they, we we are adding a lot of uh, features on top and for example when you look at the energy consumptions of all these buildings uh, that that these funds invest in Uh, it's more and more important to be able to transparently audit if the performance, energy performance of this building is really, really good. Mm. And when you look at how it was done in the past with retroactive audits and some la labels that you were getting, we think it can be done better. We think it's very easy now to connect IoT sensors that, you know, uh, create this energy consumption data as soon as the energy is consumed and secure it on the chain. Mm. And we've, we've built the right technology in order to secure that information and link it directly to the financial assets. Maybe we can then value the asset a bit, a bit more rapidly or a bit more wisely because we have all this data available. And you can mm. think also about the cash flows, you know, collecting all the rents on these buildings can be done via stable coins. And as soon as all the cash flows are also secured on the blockchain, you can really automate the management of the, of the building through maybe the payment of dividends. And you can have a chain of events where you add the right uh, mechanism to verify, you know, and not automate everything to mm. create risks. That really streamlines the management of a, of a real estate fund. And it's fascinating that this is all, it's all happening. I mean, you know, it's, it's not big picture. It's not, uh, it's not dreams that, you know, ultimately from the subscription to the transaction to the registry to the administration of the assets, it's the, you know, the journey that you, you guys are proving that it's there. 
I hope you're enjoying this podcast and it's really helping you to grasp the exact benefits and KPIs that DLT can help you to realize in your world. If you have a live DLT case that you'd like to share, please contact us at info at thevalueexchange.co so that we can all hear about the amazing transformation that you've achieved. The last thing I wanted to ask about was the broadening of financial participation. So one of the quotes that was quite high profile, I think, was the ambition to take real estate subscriptions down from 100,000 euros to one euro. Yeah. How does that figure in the, in the conversation today? Of course, that's the goal. Of course, it's really the objective to bring down the back office costs so low that you can absorb a very high amount of, of investors by spending the, the same amount. It's difficult to distribute globally. It's not because you're using the blockchain that you can distribute the shares of your funds globally. You still need to comply with existing regulations. So on, in terms of the broadening of like accessing more investors, I don't think blockchain is really solving that issue on the investor registry side. It is bringing a lot of innovation on the KYC side in order to maybe have a better understanding of all the investors on the planet that have the right compliance, you know, criteria in order to invest in these assets. So it, it will be done, but it will maybe be done a bit later. And then in terms of, uh, I think, yeah, being able to settle with stable coins will definitely increase the throughput mm. and allow us to lower even more the, the price of the subscription. So mm. I think we need uh, stable coins to be able really to, to bring a lot of innovation in the space. And we also need scalability. So technically speaking, we need some layer two solutions or some side chains, you know, attached to the public Ethereum network that are maybe focusing only on the real estate ecosystem uh, in order to streamline transaction and, and uh, you know, make them less expensive as it is the case on the, on the mainnet today. So there are some challenges. But when you when you add all these these building blocks together, together, you you start to understand that it's a very massive uh, disruption. Yeah, uh, that's, that's yeah. coming. Absolutely. So, and you've covered off. You know, I think one of the the challenges to scaling this, I guess, are very clear, as you said, in terms of capacity and then in terms of the the stablecoin piece. In terms of actually just deploying it in the in the kind of the you know the shorter term, I guess, what were the big surprises that you found as you went along that just uh, well that were surprises. It was two years ago, so you realize that the blockchain technology is still new. Technically speaking, it's still hard to to engage with. And I think we've we've done a lot of work in this space in order to bring more developers and more tools that are easy to understand, you know, and less risky. Mm. So it was uh, yeah hard to to deploy, but very interesting and a very good learning experience. So that's mm. technically speaking. Mm. And I think also in terms of the regulation. So these are you know private equity asset managers that are regulated. They manage over a billion of assets, so they want to be acting under a clear regulatory framework and it was very difficult to to understand if they were able to use the public Ethereum mainnet or not, for example, like mm. how would they be able to use Ether as a currency to pay for, for the transaction on, this, on these networks. Their analysis was that it was possible, that that's why we were kind of the first back in the days to deploy on a public Ethereum chain versus a private Ethereum one that we believe brings less innovation and less advantages. So I think, yes, technologically, it was difficult. The good thing is that today we can deploy and configure our platform in one hour. In the past, it was months of work. So 
So that's great. And then on the regulatory side, we have now more clarity for, for this type of assets. We're still waiting for at the European level to be better understand what we can do with CSDs and clearing houses and how they can interact with this technology in order to, you know, um, streamline the, the infrastructure as a whole for listed securities, which is also the case for, for real estates and mainly for REITs. So today we cannot tokenize these assets, but uh, maybe later. Yeah. But then back to the point about the journey. I mean, the fact that you've in the last, you know, 12, 18 months, you know, you've, de you've demonstrated the basis point savings, you've demonstrated that there are tangible benefits to this. You know, it's, it's, I suppose for me, one of the key things about this case is that you don't need to wait for the big, you know, for the big legal clarity or the yeah. big, you don't need the big picture to all fall in place. Ultimately, you can just make a start that can be self-financing. Yes, definitely. I think one thing that we are missing a lot for, for real estate also is the possibility to model a title deed on the blockchain as well. So you could really bridge the asset on, on the, on, at the phone level and, and the real assets in the real world. And so here we are working with notaries, you know, in France or other uh, state agencies to explain them how they could also help by modeling these title deeds on the land registry on the blockchain directly. Yep. I think when we have that, we really have a lot of uh, efficiencies. Yeah, absolutely. Then you've really tokenized the entire chain, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. fantastic. And it's not really challenging the, the custody aspect of uh, of these funds that you know, need to store these title deeds uh, securely when they are yeah. anchored on the blockchain and linked to the fund directly that, that's also materialized there. It brings a lot of transparency and maybe we'll also to answer your question on broadening the reach. It will also allow more people to invest in locations that they don't have access yeah. to because they will be able to trust more than, than there is actually a building behind the shell that they are investing in. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, I mean, it's a it's a fantastic story. It slots together perfectly well in terms of the phases that you describe and the benefits that are along the way. So, I mean, thank you for running us through it as clearly as you have. I, I think uh, the fascinating thing will be, to your point, you've done the first part in terms of the workflow benefits, the the, the basis points. Really, the second part, uh, the big chunk in terms of actually turning it into industry-wide change will be, uh, it's an interesting one. And I, I suppose my closing question would just be, how long do you think this has to run? And in, are you counting it by by years in terms of expected progress, by months, decades? I'm still pretty young, so I would say years, yes, uh, decades maybe. Mm. But it's, it accelerates quite a lot uh, in the past in the past year it accelerates it quite a lot so i think it's not really a linear evolution yeah. and we we are seeing uh, i think we are really accelerating at the moment so i would say yeah in a decade yeah. uh, the world will look very different for yeah. investment managers 100%. Great. Well, look, thank you so much, Mathieu. Really appreciate you making the time to walk through this as clearly as you have. And uh, yeah, good luck. Fingers crossed. Thanks a lot. Bye. Thank you for listening to our DLT in the Real World podcast. I hope this episode has brought you one step closer to having the facts and figures of DLT clear in your mind so that you can go and write your own business case for change soon. We'll be back with next week with another real-life episode of DLT. And just reach out to us at info at thevalueexchange.co if you have any questions at all. We'd love to help.